On this week's episode of Chasing the Natty, Jared and I look ahead to week five in our preview, where we will discuss big game matchups and possible high scoring games. All this and more on Chasing the Natty. Goes to the end zone. Oh, what a catch! Devontae Smith, touchdown Alabama! Watch out for Mr. Robinson. This kid is going to be special and is already flashing. This is Chasing the Natty, a college football fantasy podcast. All right, all right, all right. Good morning, good afternoon, good night. I hope you all enjoyed my Truman Show. Uh, I was going to say, have you been watching the Truman Show recently? I, I thought about it. I was like, oh, man, that was a really good like saying that he had. But <laughs> back to Chasing the Natty. Yeah, it is our week five preview. We are ha- excited to be back. I hope everybody enjoyed uh, our week four recap. It has gone and went, and now we are moving on to a new week of college football. We have a lot of exciting games ahead of us. And a lot of good high-scoring games as well, too. You know, uh, you know, for all those fantasy players, are going to put up big points. So, I guess uh, to say, I really want to get right into it, but also I'm going to forget that th- I am Xavier Hood, and right next to me is Jared Palmgren. I can't believe I forgot to introduce us. I know for I all the crap that you give me for like forgetting to introduce us every single episode. That's you, true. Like, I, I was waiting. I was waiting for you. I to was waiting. I was like, wait, I'm forgetting something. <laughs> yeah, no, you're forgetting. Yeah. We are people. He is Jared, my grateful co-host, and we are the Chasing Natty podcast. Follow us on at CFF Jared and uh, underscore Jared, and I'm at CFF underscore Xavier. Uh, yeah, and this is the week five preview, so let's get into it. We're going to talk about some big games, some games of interest, and some games with uh, that are projected to have a lot of points. So I guess we can start off with, um, yeah, uh, Abs- talking about some big games, Jared. How do you feel? How how How's the, you know... The week four, has it has it gone and went for you? You're still excited or are we looking forward to week five now? Well, as soon as you stop talking, I'll be able to express my thoughts on nah, all of this. Nah, nah. <laughs> nah. We don't need to do that. You're doing you are doing great. Um yeah, no. Uh the football gods have blessed us with an incredible weekend ahead of us, and I am very excited to get into it here. But first, I just want to remind everybody before we get started here, please make sure you are subscribed on YouTube. And I'm a bad YouTuber because I've realized the last couple times I keep forgetting to tell you guys to hit that little bell because that's what YouTube good YouTubers do. Uh, make sure you subscribe, hit that little bell. Uh, make sure you leave any questions or comments down below in the comments. Love responding to you guys down there. Uh, make sure you follow us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts and on Apple Podcasts. Please make sure to leave us a five-star, four-star, one-star review, whatever you want to leave us because we want to hear back from you guys. We love hearing ways to improve the show. We love hearing ways that you got what we we want to hear from you guys is basically what i'm trying to say so with all that out of the way let's get started so we got our helmet games of the week and i call them helmet games for the reason that if you're watching this on youtube i have a very fancy graphic that i am very happy with myself for putting together and yes i'm going to uh, pat myself on the back constantly every single time we use this because I'm very happy about these. Anyway, uh, we got four helmet games this week, and I've saved it for the ranked versus ranked matchups of every single week. So let's get started here. Massive, massive game in the SEC West 
this weekend. Number 12, Ole Miss going to at number one, Alabama. This is the 3.30 CBS primetime, or not primetime, but you know what I mean. It's, it's their primetime game every single weekend. And yeah, this game's massive. Um, Ole Miss, we've seen nothing but great offense out of them, a somewhat improved defense, it looks like. Alabama, I mean, they're still Alabama. They're, they're going to be the Giants for everybody else to slay until we get there. And Ole Miss has really come out this year and has made its way to the kind of team that really looks like they could take down Alabama this weekend. So, Xavier, what are your thoughts here? Yeah, this is going to be a great heavyweight matchup, a heavyweight fight of the probably the two best teams in the SEC West. Um, I'm really excited because I feel like this is going to be the game to really like set the path for Bryce Young for the future. I, I, I'm hoping to see a shootout. Um, you know, maybe I'll give him a little bit more credit to Alabama's defense and maybe they'll be able to stop Ole Miss. But I think Bryce Young is going to have to play probably the game of his uh, uh, young career so far if he wants to win this game. Because, I mean, I, I'll let you talk a little bit more about the Ole Miss side, but I, from the Alabama side, Jamison Williams looks like a great, great receiver for Bama. Um, very electric and very fast. Took off two kickoff refer, uh, returns against uh, Southern Mississippi. Now, it was, against, it was Southern Mississippi, and, you know, it is an F- FCS opponent. So, you know, not that great in special teams. They're just all around going against a Bama team in the SEC. But taking off two kick returns for, like, what? Uh, there was one for 100 yards, and there was another one for about, I think, 76 or 80, something like that, around that range. 80-something, uh, I believe. Yeah, 80-something. So I, I think he's that electric. And also, we've seen in the Miami game, they can catch the deep ball as well, too. So he provides that that deep target threat for Bryce Young. And then you still have John Mechie, a great receiver at Bama. And you have a, a bunch of other guys as well, too. Jaleel Billingsley seems to be coming along uh, in the offense now that he's uh, no longer uh, having those little uh, behavioral issues with Saban. That uh, seems like he's the uh, coveted starter. Cameron Latu is still a good backup for him as well, too. And Bryce Young seems to like him. Um, I imagine they'll have them both out on the field several times this probably, game. yeah. Um, I'm trying to think of any other receivers. Um of note, I mean, they'll throw some freshmen out there. JoJo Earl's been getting uh, a, a good a chunk of the snaps. Uh, Ajay Hall hasn't seen that much of the field. And then I feel like I'm missing a guy, maybe another freshman. We haven't seen much of Javon Baker this year. But let me get back to the running backs. Uh, Jace McClellan, I love what I've seen from him. I've, this is the uh, the running back that I've been kind of hoping that would break out. Now, he hasn't outright, you know, won the job. It's still Brian Robinson, RB1. But I think Jace McClellan is kind of pushing for that uh, – that coveted Alabama starting running back job, whether it's either this year or next year, because he provides just so much versatility like a Najee Harris. He can catch out of the backfield, he can catch in the, he can put him in the slot, and he can run through the trenches um, in between tackles. So I really like Alabama in this game. Uh, I guess we'll just um, have our picks after Jared, you know, if you have some thoughts on the Ole Miss side, because there's so much to go through for that, uh, that offense. Yeah, like I mentioned before in the teaser that I was kind of laying out the game for, Ole Miss's offense looks like one of the best offenses in the country, and that starts with their head coach, Lane Kiffin, who is the play caller for them. Took Matt Corral from what I honestly thought was going to be an absolute afterthought uh, once Kiffin arrived there. I thought Kiffin would go for a guy like John Rice Plumley, especially with his rushing ability. I thought that he would be the guy, and he's absolutely turned Matt Corral into, let's be honest, a Heisman contender. For this year, this offense is really, really difficult to stop. It. It really starts with so many of their weapons on the outside of the perimeter. Uh, Dontario Drummond, Jonathan Mingo are kind of your two main guys at wide receiver for Ole Miss this year. Braylon Sanders, of course, could pop off at any time. 
This is an offense that can feed many, many different receivers any given week because they score just that much. And that doesn't even begin to talk about the guys that they kind of throw in and out there at the slot. You got John Rice Plumley, who has been getting um, who's been getting snaps at the slot position. Jerry and Ely, their running back, has been getting uh, has been getting looks at the slot position. You got a ton of weapons out wide, and then again we go to that backfield. Jerry and Ely. Uh, probably the main guy there, but Henry Parrish has really begun to make a name for himself this year. Snoop Connor's always back there to make sure that he'll knock a cornerback five yards down into the end zone. Um, this is a team which is that's just loaded, and I mean loaded at weapons. Probably the only thing I haven't seen a ton out of for them this year is their tight end group, but that's mostly because Casey Kelly's just been injured uh, the entire way, and I guarantee you if he was out there, he'd be getting a ton of work. So... Yeah, looking at this again, this offense looks unstoppable going into this game. And you and the Vegas believes it's going to be a high-scoring game. If this wasn't such a massive matchup, this would absolutely be on our uh, over-unders of 65 or greater. The over-under in this game is 78. 78. That is a massive over-under for an SEC game. You would like that, that, that used to be like what the Big 12 matchups used to be. They ain't that anymore, I can tell you that. Actually, I'm looking... Yeah. I think only one Big 12 game this week has an over-under greater than 65. My, has, my how the world has changed. But anyway, Ole Miss. Um, I have to say, or do we want to move on to like what we think is going to happen in this game? Or do we – or I, You know what? I'll let you uh, discuss about what you think is going to happen. I honestly don't know. I'm, I'm ready to make a pick of who I think is going to win, but I don't know how that game is going to play out. All right, so here's, my, here's how I'm thinking about this game. A lot of people are going to be on Ole Miss for this game. I don't think a lot of people are going to call the upset, but the spread currently, at least the last I checked, was 15 points. A lot of people are going to expect this game to be a lot closer to 15 points. But honestly, I don't know why people are surprised that the spread is 15 points. This is still Bama we're talking about, y'all. This is still one of the better defenses of the country. So one of the better offenses in the country, even though they've had their slow moments this year. Like, it's still Bama at the end of the day. If this was at Ole Miss... I would absolutely be leaning closer to maybe picking Ole Miss for the upset. But even still, I've learned over the past several, several, honestly, can we just say decades at this point? Because that's how long it feels like Bama's been just at the top of the sport. It's been, it's getting close. Um, You don't bet against Bama. I'm picking Bama to win this game. I have no clue whether or not they'll cover or not. But I'm like, a lot of people think it's just a foregone conclusion that this game's going to be closer than the two touchdowns. I don't think so at all. I think Bama, especially, especially if they can force turnovers early from Matt Corral, get him shaken up a bit. He's shown in the past that once he makes one or two mistakes like that, he can actually he can be absolutely thrown into a tailspin. Um, Bama can easily cover in that scenario. So I'm picking Bama here. Yeah, I'm going to pick Bama as well. Um, I think, you know, like you said, their defense is still one of the best defenses in the, um, the country. Honestly, probably one of the more consistent ones. It's really only been like Georgia and um, Bama. And I'll put Arkansas in there. Uh, I'll talk about Arkansas later in our next big game because they've been a good defense this year so far too. But mm-hmm. for the elite defenses of college football, it's just really been Georgia and Bama. But uh, I, I do – I will give Ole Miss credit. I think, you know, I'll say the Bama pass rush might be, you know, a little bit uh, better than the Ole Miss O-line and they may get to Matt Corral a little bit quicker than he's usually been accustomed to so far this season because so far he's only played Louisville – um, I think the other one was FCS opponent, and then ooh, I'm blanking on who else they played, but it wasn't that Tulane. memorable. Tulane, which you know wasn't a bad team. It's just well, I don't know. I can't get a read on college football this year. Tulane, I'm gonna say Tulane's a good team for the now, 
they had a close game with Oklahoma, but Oklahoma doesn't look that good. So can I really get a good gauge? I don't know. But for the time being, they beat a, a decent Tulane team, and um, they look great. The offense looks um, what kind of what in Lane Kiffin has envisioned so far. So I think they will be able to put up points. But I don't think mm-hmm. it's going to be enough to where I think Bama's defense will get one or two more stops to be able to say, hey, you didn't have enough touchdowns, you know, because Bryce Young in that backfield and those weapons that receiver are just going to score probably more consistently than you. And again, I think we don't have a good read on this old Miss defense yet because they they shut down Louisville's offense week one, but all, like we don't know how much that has to do with just Louisville being inept that first week. Because if you oh, watch the Louisville. film on that game, Louisville's offense did not look good at all regardless of who they were playing against. But now Louisville's put it together since then. So a lot of people I, then assume that, Louisville, that Ole Miss's defense is pretty good because yeah, they were able to I, shut that down, but even still. I feel like Louisville's offense is just um, – it's, it's nothing too complex. Like, I, I feel like everybody knows that Malik Willis – I mean, not Malik Willis. Malik Cunningham is going to run the football probably at the same rate as the running back at, uh, like as Jalen Mitchell. But I, nobody was expecting, you know, him to have – the accuracy uh, for some of these receivers in some of these games so far to where mm-hmm. he's throwing over like 300 yards sometimes now or 250 and still running for 100. So I, I give Ole Miss credit, but I think this is going to be a, a little bit different than uh, than a Louisville. That the, His O-line is going to be a lot better. You're not going to be able to like just get through that and then, you know, put pressure on Bryce Young that much because Alabama always recruits highly at O-line especially with Evan Neal being his left tackle, probably the best left tackle in the uh, college football so far. Yeah, no, I got no arguments against that. Um, We've spent enough time on this game. Let us go ahead and move on to our next helmet game. This is the really the first top 10 matchup of the weekend, even though, let's be honest, Ole Miss-Bama feels like a top 10 matchup at this point. Uh, So. So we are going to move on to our second game as soon as I can get this going. There we go. Number eight, Arkansas. That's a weird sentence to say, or that's a weird phrase to say right there. Number eight, Arkansas on the road in Athens at number two, Georgia. Georgia is an 18 and a half point favorite in this game. This is the 12 p.m. ESPN game. Uh, Game day will be at this game. Xavier, what are your thoughts on this game? Yeah, um, it's it's great for this. Uh, I would say it's it's great for the SEC. It's great for college football when you know Arkansas is relevant and Georgia is a good program to where we get a good game like this. I feel like you know some of these uh, Arkansas has been down the dumps for a while, and they finally like you know gained some prominence again. And it's it just feels a lot better to say like, hey, there's better SEC West competition. Maybe like. Bama will have a harder time in the future. Not to say that Arkansas will ever beat Bama anytime close, but just a little bit, you know, rougher schedule than, uh, you know, than having that path that they usually have of just going and beating up on a lot of teams. Like Ole Miss is getting better, Arkansas is getting better, but at the same time, Auburn's getting worse. So, really, uh, saying not saying that much, but well, Auburn's got like, that voodoo magic that they'll yeah they do have that, that you, voodoo magic. You you never know what Auburn's going to be any given week. Yeah, but. I, I just love the fact that Arkansas is, uh, you know, back in their prominence and just up in the top 10. They've, they made a tremendous leap from going from unranked to 16 to top 10 in such, such a short span. But mm-hmm. I will say this, it's not even the homerism in us. I, I just think that we're the more dominant team. It's, it's not a disrespect to Arkansas in any way, 
they've had a great season, but they have a tough slate of games in the next three games. And it starts with us being the number two team in the nation. And at the end of the and at the end of the year, they still have to play Bama. They also have to play Ole Miss. Uh, I think right after us. So I'll say that our defensive front, Arkansas has not faced. I don't think the O-line has faced anything like this. You know, this, these are a bunch of, uh, uh, as Shane Beamer said uh, of South Carolina, a bunch of five-star guys, even though these are guys that are like, some of them are three stars that co- Kirby coached up and they look like five stars. But yeah, they, they haven't faced a front like this before. And I think their defense is good enough to where they can, you know, expose some mistakes, but I think we'll have more opportunities in Arkansas to score, and that's probably going to be telling uh, how we're going to win the game. So I'm taking Georgia in this one. Going to take Georgia to win? Yeah. yeah. Y'all, Georgia's a heavy favorite in this game for a reason, as much as, like, again, this is not just a homerism in me. Like, any any game outside of this game, I'm going to be rooting for Arkansas the rest of this way because they're having a great year so far, and I wish them nothing but the best, except for in a game like this this weekend. Um, but again, as as great of a story as Arkansas has been so far, I think this is where they take their first loss. Uh, again, Georgia's an 18.5-point favorite for a reason. They have the talent. They are playing at home, regardless of the fact that it's a noon game. Um, game day is going to be there, so the atmosphere in that place is still going to be electric. People are going to show up. That's not going to be a problem for Georgia this this year. Um, Arkansas has been running on a lot of people so far, but like Xavier kind of mentioned, I don't think they have faced a D-line quite like this so far. A lot of people want to point to Texas A&M, but Texas A&M was starting several freshmen, uh, redshirt and true freshmen, on that D-line during that Arkansas game. There was a lot of inexperience that Arkansas was able to take advantage of. Arkansas is a good team. Again, don't hear what I'm not saying. Arkansas is a good team. They are going to be a good team before Saturday. They're going to be a good team after Saturday if they lose to Georgia. They're going to be a good team even if they lose to Ole Miss the following week and everything. Arkansas is still, in my opinion, still going to be one of the top 25 teams in the country, even if they take many losses. It's like the same thing that uh, Texas A&M went through a couple years ago when they had like Clemson, Georgia, Bama all on their schedule. And it's like everybody's like, oh, they're they're a mediocre team. They're like eight and four. I'm like, yeah, that's because they had to play Bama, Georgia, LSU, and Clemson all in the same year. Like, who is gonna like? I I again, I'm not gonna say again. The criticisms that they weren't elite clearly true because again, they didn't beat any elite teams. But also, you can't say they're a bad team because they lost to four out of the top five teams in the nation that year. Yeah. Anyway, I think Arkansas is probably gonna go through a similar thing this year, where Arkansas is gonna be a very very good team that just has a very crap schedule laid ahead for them because I believe they also play Bama at Bama. So that's just an unfortunate scenario for them as well. But even so, like I said, I'm going to take Georgia to win this game. I think that this is the kind of game that Georgia can just out-talent a good Arkansas team. It's kind of similar to um, the vibe I'm kind of getting with this game for me is, you remember, I think it was 2018 against Kentucky. Kentucky's a top 10 team at the time. Uh, a lot of people were saying it was a cl- it was going to be a close one when Jordan. Like, this is even this was actually at Kentucky. A lot of people were saying like, "Oh, never know, Kentucky could could upset Georgia here." Georgia wins thirty four seventeen, and I think that's kind of the the vibe I'm getting from this game a little bit. It being at home, I think might be enough for Georgia to cover the spread in this game. So regardless of all that, I'm going to say I'm going to take Georgia to win this game. Now I will say, how can Arkansas win this game? Um. Two words. His name is Traylon Burks. Uh, mm, I Traylon, have another name. You got you got another name. Well, I'm I'm saying Traylon Burks because again, like we said, that D line. I don't think Arkansas is going to see the same success running the ball. 
But we have seen with Georgia already is that a guy like Josh Van uh, can get be- can get behind the defense a little bit and make some incredible catches, which Traylon Burks is perfectly capable of. Traylon Burks is going to have to have the game of his life in this game, in my opinion, in order for Arkansas to win this game. And he's talented enough to where it is possible. But regardless of that, I'm taking Georgia to win. You have another name you want to throw out here, Xavier? Yeah, I'm going to say I'm going to go with KJ Jefferson. I, I don't think he's going to be talented enough with his arm to beat us. I, I, I know our secondary is definitely going to be tested with Traylon Burks at receiver. That's probably going to be the best receiver we've probably faced so far. I mean, I would have said like one of the Clemson receivers, but by God, they look terrible right now. So, yeah, I think Traylon Burks is definitely going to be the best receiver our secondary has faced. But also we're getting uh, star safety Tyke Smith back. So mm-hmm. I think that's going to help out a lot. But I mentioned KJ Jefferson, and I think it's just I'm going based off of history and also something that we haven't seen this season. We haven't faced a true mobile quarterback like a KJ Jefferson so far this year. Yeah, in the past week, Georgia got a little bit of practice last week when uh, Vanderbilt decided to throw out Mike Wright for some reason. Yeah, he got a little bit of practice, but that's a Vandy quarterback that's not starting. So uh, I think KJ Jefferson's a lot better. And a lot more, you know, a more natural runner of like he knows uh, what to do with the first team and uh, read his blocks and wins to run. And, you know, in the past, Georgia, we kind of do struggle with a little bit of a mobility at quarterback. Now, mm-hmm. if our defensive front can swallow him up in that uh, pocket and, you know, make him take a sec, then that's going to be great. But, you know, it, it, could, it could get like not to say real ugly, but it could look be frustrating for Georgia fans at time to see, hey, we can't get a sack on this uh, kind of agile quarterback. See. I'm gonna I'm gonna name one name here before we move on to the next uh, before we move on to the next game and uh, in order to combat the KJ Jefferson mobility and his name is Adam Anderson. I'm just gonna leave it at that. So we'll move on to the third again. In my mind, Bama, like I said, Bama Bama Ole Miss is a top ten matchup in my opinion. So we're gonna move on to the third top ten matchup of this weekend, and that is going to be. Cincinnati, number seven, Cincinnati on the road at Notre Dame. This is the 2.30 NBC uh, kickoff, which NBC just wants to be special. Same with Notre Dame, uh, because they have a weird kickoff time. Uh, Cincinnati favored by two in this game. So Xavier, I'll let you start off on this one. What are your thoughts? Yeah, this is going to be a tough read on this game. I'm not going to lie. I feel like these teams are kind of evenly matched maybe leaning a little bit more towards Cincinnati now I will not uh, I'll leave my pick later because it's it's going to be tough um but from these two teams I like uh if Jack Cohn comes back healthy then I'll, mm-hmm. I'll take that into account but if it is uh Drew Pine then I'll lean towards Cincinnati but I think what Notre Dame showed uh against Wisconsin which I'm not rating Wisconsin as a good team I think everybody has heard me say that where I didn't think they were imp- that impressive for Penn State to claim, hey, we beat Wisconsin, and, you know, Notre Dame to say, hey, we beat Wisconsin. But I think Notre Dame's D-line, you know, they had that one fluke game against, uh, I wouldn't say a fluke game, but it was it was a very close game against Florida State, and Florida State looks abysmal, but sometimes... It wasn't happen. a fluke game, because, again, they followed it up with almost losing to Toledo at home the next week. Oh, yeah, they almost lost, but they keep on finding a way to win, and I think their defensive secondary is probably their best, like, positional group at the moment. And I, I love Desmond Ritter's legs, and I love Jerome Ford, but I feel like if Notre Dame keys in on how they did against Wisconsin and Ches Malusi against Cincinnati, they'll be able to, uh, you know, get some opportunities. Now, I think this is probably going to be the best defense they've probably faced. So Michael Myers going to have to be used a lot more. Kevin Austin's going to have to have a good game. Uh, Kyron and Tyree are going to be good, but I think they have more talent. So I'm going to lean with Notre Dame on the upset on this one. 
See, I'm going the opposite here. I'm going Cincinnati. Uh, basically, it's because at the end of the day, this is Cincinnati's Super Bowl. Like, we got to be real about this. Cincinnati loses this game. Any chance of them going to the playoffs is out. Like, Cincinnati wants to be that first group of five team. And frankly, with the way the landscape's going right now, Cincinnati, if they win this game, easily could make the uh, playoff if they win out. But they have to prove it here with Notre Dame. This is a game that they have been preparing for all offseason. All season so far. I guarantee you this has been one that they've had circled for basically since they didn't make the playoff last year. They said, all right, we got a chance next year. We're going up against Notre Dame at Notre Dame. And again, breaking down some of these positional groups like you're kind of saying, Xavier, I agree with you. Best unit maybe on this, on this field is probably going to be the Notre Dame secondary. But that's not Cincinnati's strength. It's Desmond Ritter and Jerome Ford. Their legs are going to drive this offense for the majority of this game. If, they, if Notre Dame does key on in, that, in on that, well, it's a good thing that Desmond Ritter's not Graham Mertz. And they got a, a, plenty of decent options at receiver in Michael Young, Alex Pierce, um, Josh Wiley as well. They got some tight end play going on in there. Leonard Taylor is a tight end for Cincinnati that's kind of shown up a couple of times. I believe that Cincinnati's absolutely a team that is talented enough and really just has enough drive in this game in order to easily pull off the upset here at home at Notre Dame. Um, yeah, pretty much. I, again, I, I'm, I'm believing in Cincinnati to come into Notre Dame. They have the better drive for this game. I'm going to take them to win. Okay, okay. So, if you have nothing else you want to say about that, we can move on to the other top 10 game. Uh, other top 10 game. Other top 10 game. What am I saying? I was like, we have another one? Nah. No, we have one more top 25 matchup. And yeah. two new teams to the top 25, but they are both in the top 25, so we're going to talk about this game. This is Baylor, number 21 Baylor, on the road at number 19 Oklahoma State. Oklahoma State favored by by four in this game. This is the 7 p.m. ESPN2 kickoff game. So, uh, Xavier, I think you've had all the starting uh, discussions, so I'm going to take this one. And like I said, Baylor coming off a massive upset over Iowa State last week. Iowa State predicted by many, including myself, to make the Big 12 championship this upcoming year. I predicted them to win in the Big 12 championship. Uh, clearly, that's not looking like it's going to happen so far, unless Iowa State turns things around massively here soon. Uh, but even still, Baylor, great win for Dave Aranda in that program. We talked about it yesterday on the recap program. Uh, now they got a chance to go and prove that they really do belong in the top 25. They're going on the road to Oklahoma State. Oklahoma State just coming off an upset of their own. They just beat Kansas State pretty convincingly, if I remember correctly. Um, I think it was like 31-10 to 10 or something like that. Um, Kansas State was absolutely favored in that game. Oklahoma State came in and they said, nope. Uh, nope. We're, uh, we're going to win here at home. And so we'll talk about some of the players involved in this game. Uh, Baylor, on the Baylor side, Jerry Bohannon really is kind of the main story there. Uh, dual threat, I believe, redshirt freshman quarterback um, for them. He, his legs and his arm both have been able to keep this Baylor offense going for both of their game or all their games so far. He has been the main driving force through this offense, and that's why I recommended him in fantasy because this entire, like I said, this entire offense flows through him. They got two good running backs behind him. They got Abram Smith and why am I, oh Tristan Ebner. 
I was about to say, I, I, I was about to blank. No, Tristan Ebner. Mm-hmm. They got two great running backs behind them. They got a good O-line play right now that is allowing them to run on a lot of these teams. But on the other side, you got Oklahoma State. Uh, Spencer Sanders continues to do Spencer Sanders things, which is be good, not great. Uh, and they got a pretty good options at wide receiver. Tay Martin and Brendan Presley have both performed pretty well for Oklahoma State this year, giving them some options. And then it looks like Mike Gundy has really found his main running back for at least right now while, Des- while Desmond Jackson and LD Brown are injured. Jalen Warren has taken over that backfield. and looks like they're going to be riding on him for the next couple of games, and it seems to be working for them. Uh, in terms of who I'm going to pick, I'm actually going to let Xavier express his thoughts on this game before I make my pick. Uh, yeah, I'm going to go with Baylor on this one. Um, I love the impressive win that they came off of, of Ohio State. I don't think this is a fluke season for Baylor. I think, you know, they're, they're doing it right um this season uh in terms of where everybody counted them out nobody really had them you know rated highly and they came in with the freshman quarterback and they're shocking a lot of people in the big 12 uh, i think their two leading pass catchers are seniors so they're guys with the, been in the program for a while that know how to play in the big 12 and oklahoma state i'm honestly just have not been that impressed i guess the kansas state win was pretty good but kansas state had really not played anybody of note i mean they beat nevada which was a good win uh the week before but I just was more not impressed with Nevada and Carson Strong than I was more uh, than Kansas State. I only like um, they they, they didn't State. play Nevada. They played Boise State. Oh, they played Boise. That's right. That's right. And did they win that game? I they did. Twenty-one 21-20. Both of these teams are four and zero, by the way. Yeah, but I, I'm I'm still gonna go with Baylor because I like what Bohannon is doing, and I like the uh, the running backs behind him and Bohannon's uh, rushing ability as well too. I am actually going to disagree with you on this one. I'm going to go Oklahoma State. Uh, part of the fact it's a home field advantage. I think um, a lot of Oklahoma State's uh, players, or um, at least the, the fans and the players both kind of, I think for the most part, they kind of felt counted out for some reason, like this early on in the season. Uh, I don't think a lot of people are very impressed with them as a 4-0 team. I think Baylor's kind of the same way, don't get me wrong. But also, Oklahoma State doesn't have the marquee win over a... Well, I guess Iowa State's not ranked anymore, but even still, Iowa State was number 14 mm-hmm. uh, when Baylor beat them. So a lot more eyeballs on that game. Oklahoma State beats Kansas State. I think it was like FS1 last week, so not a ton of eyeballs on there. I think they're feeling kind of counted out here. Um, and I just like the experience more in Oklahoma State. Uh, Tate, or Tate Martin and Brennan Bresley, uh, two young guys at receiver, but also at the end of the day, I think the experience of Spencer Sanders, them playing at home, them going to have uh, the crowd behind them, I'm going to take Oklahoma State to win this game. So, yeah. Just All right. Type All that right. down real quick. And now, those are our four big matchups of the, of the week. Now we're going to move on to some additional games that we're going to spend just a little bit more time on overall. So, like you see, additional games of interest if you are watching the youtube product if you are listening i am just rambling here until we actually get to the games so mm-hmm. first game of the week we have listed here is going to be number five iowa at maryland iowa favored by three points here this is the friday 8 p.m fs1 game so xavier what are your thoughts on this game yeah um man this is tough i i think this is definitely like after this last week of Iowa State having or not Iowa State, Iowa having a close game with Colorado State. There's a lot of questions going into like their top five and then their uh, credibility for being top five. 
And I think Maryland's having a great season so far. And even though they haven't beaten like the best of competitions, I like how Talia is playing and the receivers that he has and Taron Fleet Davis, a running back. Now I'm not saying maybe it's not enough to beat Iowa, but I think it's going to be a closer game. Uh, well, no, the game's only minus three for Iowa, so the Vegas is predicting is going to be a close game. But for a top five team going against unranked Maryland, the spread is really, really close. So I think Vegas knows that Maryland looks good and Iowa kind of looks weakened. And it's going to be really tough because I really want to lean towards Maryland taking the upset. But I do like that Iowa defense. And I think Maryland hasn't faced a defense like this so far. And that may be uh, detrimental to Iowa. So I will – I'll take Iowa in this one. I'm going to take the upset. Maryland mm-hmm. takes down number five, Iowa, at home. Iowa has really gotten lucky this far into the season. I, I won't say lucky on every bit of it, but Iowa has looked better on the scoreboard in a lot of their games because of turnovers. And while you can't have a defense that is just capable of producing a lot of turnovers, that's not something you can predict every single weekend. You want to see what Iowa looks like when they don't get a ton of turnovers? Just look to last week against Colorado State. That is what Iowa looks like when they are not producing turnovers every week, and you can't predict turnovers. Talia Tagovailoa um, is going to be airing the ball out a lot in this game, and I can see some turnovers happening in this game, but also I think Rakeem Jarrett and Dante Dimas provides plenty of weapons in addition to Teon Fleet Davis for them to be scoring plenty at home. Iowa, like I said, they just haven't looked impressive. Last week, I'm surprised they didn't drop because of their performance against Colorado State. Losing at halftime, only winning 24-14 by the end of the game. That's not what a top five team does. And this is a team ripe for exposure. And I think it happens right here on the road, Friday night. That is a a scenario ripe for an upset. They just came off of a tiring game against Colorado State, which, again, like I said, that shouldn't have been a tiring game. But it was plenty physical. That Iowa defense was out there for plenty of plays in that game. So... I'm going to take Maryland to upset and take down Iowa on Friday night. Okay, okay. All right. So we'll move on to our next game here. And we are going to... Hold on, just let me type something down real quick. All right. We are going to move on to number 14 being on the road at Wisconsin. This is the noon, big noon kickoff the on Fox. Uh, Michigan favored by one point in this game. This line has gone back and forth all pretty much since the line is open. It's gone back and forth between Michigan minus one and Wisconsin minus one uh, to it's just straight up pick them. So, Xavier, what are you thinking here? I'm surprised uh, it has Michigan minus one. I, I don't see this game being as close as what Vegas and the spread is uh, alluding to. I think Michigan wins comfortably, honestly. I, I'm not impressed with Wisconsin on offense and their scheme. I'm impressed with Graham Mertz so far, so I don't think they're going to put up that many points. And, I mean, I know Notre Dame was a great team, and they were able to find a way to uh, get Jake Ferguson the ball and a few other people for, what, their 20 points that they had or for however many points they had this past week. But I don't think it's going to be enough against Michigan with their two backs. Like, I know their Rutgers game did not look the prettiest, but maybe it's just more – we're going to see more of a gauge this weekend when Rutger, uh, whoever Rutgers plays – I'll, you know, I maybe will tune in and watch close to see if they're actually like decent or not. But I still believe in the Michigan running backfield. And um, JJ, uh, not JJ McCartney, Cade McNamara uh, has a few good receiving options as well, too, on the outside if the run game isn't working. With, uh, and also, Blake Horman is a great receiving back as well, too. And Hassan Hanskin is uh, kind of a goal line feast, uh, a beast. So 
I'll still take Michigan in this one. I think it's yeah. I don't think I don't really think this is going to be close. Uh, so yeah. I promise I'm not trying to be just that guy. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know who I'm picking yet. I'm gonna try to talk myself into both sides here. Oof. Um. So we'll go. We'll we'll let's look at. Oh, I don't know why I clicked that already. Um. Mm-hmm. Let's go ahead and like. Let me envision the way Wisconsin wins this game. Since you're so convinced that Wisconsin doesn't have a chance in this game. And I'm going to give you a number, and I'll tell you what that number is in a second. And this number right here is the reason why I think Wisconsin could easily have a chance in this game, besides the fact that they're, you know, at a home field advantage against a conference opponent. Uh, a, a rivalry at that. Nine. Nine rushing yards allowed by Notre Dame, a great rushing team. Like, you're talking about shutting down Kyron Williams, who had 33 yards, uh, both Pine and Cone had negative yardage that they were able to get in the backfield, get some sacks on these quarterbacks. Chris Tyree had two carries for only six yards. Like this is a team that was able to shut down Notre Dame's rushing offense during this during their game against them. I don't know if you've watched Michigan at all, for those of you listening at home, but they do nothing but run the ball. Blake Corum and Hassan Haskins have really been their two-headed monster they've had in there. They throw in Donovan Edwards every once in a while. True freshman there. And really, when Michigan's been forced to pass in situations like they were against Rutgers last year, you saw that offense shut down. You saw, you saw them shut down for a good chunk of that uh, Rutgers game last week, and they were just barely able to hang on. I don't think they scored in the second half, if I remember correctly. Um, um, field goal, maybe, at most. So I think if Wisconsin's able to hold Michigan to that, keep this a very low-scoring game, Wisconsin has a massive chance to pull the upset here. I guess an upset against a one point, but he's, or pull off the win here. And I think, they, I think they can do it. The problem is I don't trust Graham Mertz. And if Michigan is able to shut down the run game like Notre Dame was last week against Wisconsin, because Wisconsin was only able to get 75 yards on the ground as well, I don't see wisconsin winning that game however if michigan is not able to pull off what notre dame was able to pull off last week and ches malusi jalen Berger, uh chanel guerendo somebody gets hot on that wisconsin offense like they kind of did against penn state even though uh penn state won that game i could see wisconsin pulling off the upset here however the more and more i think about it again michigan's got a good defense regardless of anything else and I do think that they're going to be able to slow Wisconsin down just enough to where they can beat Wisconsin in this game. But I'm not with you, Xavier, in that I think Michigan wins this comfortably. I think Michigan wins this, and I think they win it by less than a touchdown. Ooh. So I guess that's technically also me just taking Michigan in the points, but also it's against one point. But anyway, I'm going to write down that I am taking, or that we are both taking... Michigan, even though I that for me it's a very soft commit to Michigan here. Alrighty, so now let's move on to the next game we have here, and that is going to be number six Oklahoma on the road at Kansas State. Last two times that Oklahoma has gone to Kansas State or has played against Kansas State as a top five opponent. They have been upset by the Wildcats. However, Lincoln Riley playing big uh, big brain plays here. 
uh, he goes and makes his team look bad against West Virginia so that they drop out of the top five. And now when they go to play Kansas State, they won't be his top five team, and thus they're probably not going to get upset this weekend. I'm joking. That's not how college football works at all. But, you know, it's still a funny thing to think about. Anyway, Xavier, what are your thoughts on this? Uh, man, I really don't like Oklahoma this year. I, I really didn't like Oklahoma in the preseason rankings where everybody had them winning the national championship. I was just like, yeah, the talent's there, but I was like, I don't think the experience is there. And it, I really don't want to – don't want to discredit Kansas State. I have Oklahoma winning this. And I think it's just more of the talent gap between Oklahoma and Kansas State. I think Kansas State is a uh, – as they're good for their conference, uh, the Big 12, and playing defense. But I think Oklahoma just beats them out on talent in terms of, like, somebody – one of those receivers can break off for a big play, or Eric Gray or Kennedy Brooks can break off for a big run. And I'm not saying that Deuce – like, I, I believe in Deuce Vaughn. And he's been great all season, I think, except for barring one game. And Mm -hmm. it wasn't even about that much. But I I just think this is probably going to be too much for them to, uh, you know, try to outscore, especially with their uh, starting quarterback uh, hurt. So, yeah, I'm going to go Oklahoma on this one. I'm looking at the spread for this game is Oklahoma minus 10 and a half. I think that that's too high. I think this is a close game once again for Oklahoma unless they can really get that offense going. And again, they're playing at Kansas State, so there is a travel uh, factor to play in there, although it's one state over, so it's not a huge difference. Uh, So I do think Oklahoma wins this game at the end of the day. Like I said, I think they just out-talent Kansas State more than anything else. But I don't... Again, I I, I think Oklahoma comes out looking unimpressive once again. And again, just... I don't don't think it's quite like last week where they escape on a last-second field goal. But it's definitely yeah. going to be one of those things where they, they win by less than 10 points. And everybody's going to be looking at them like, re- really, what happened here at Oklahoma? So that's more of a gut feeling than anything else. I'll be real. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take Oklahoma to win this game as well. Okay. So let's move on to our next game. And that is number 10, Florida at Kentucky. This is the 6 p.m. ESPN game. Florida currently favored by eight and a half points Xavier I'll let you get started on this game what are you thinking yeah um I was in the first two games of the season for Kentucky I was a little bit legitimately kind of worried because I was like not not in terms of uh you know as a Georgia fan but well also that too but I was just like man this offense looks really high powered and explosive I was like they maybe could uh you know upset a few teams this year including possibly even Georgia if we just catch them on uh, on us on an off week then we got to the uh, the Chattanooga game, and everything fell apart. Will Levis is no longer that first-round quarterback that a lot of fantasy pundits just claimed him to be after, like, one game mm-hmm. against some nobodies. And then uh, the next game after that, he did well, too. And then now and, uh, the Missouri game. So, yeah. And then now we get to the Chattanooga game, and it just looks flat. And then and after that week, uh, this past week, in week four, you get to South Carolina, and when you're in SEC conference play, you don't look that impressive anymore. Uh, Wondell Robinson doesn't look, I mean, he's still their leading receiver and still does look like their best receiver, but it doesn't look enough. Chris Rodriguez has kind of regressed in terms of like, and it feels like they're not giving him enough touches because they're trying to spread the ball out some more. I'm just like, please just beat your best player at this point. Everything else is not working. Just be Chris Rodriguez as much as you can. Mm-hmm. And they were doing that early on, but then they kind of strayed away from it because they were just like, let's open this up a little bit more. And I was like, that's South Carolina front. And some of their it's not it's not the greatest, but it is SEC football, so they're gonna play their hardest. And with Florida, 
I am I am a little bit legitimately concerned about some of their uh their injuries. And then Tennessee was able to put up like what 14 points on the first early. half. In the first half. And then things got really ugly after that, mm. which I kind of figure it would because it's Tennessee. But I think Florida has enough talent to where Emory Jones provides that mainly rushing ability to escape um the Kentucky, uh the Kentucky defense, which I don't rate that highly. And I think they have enough playmakers around them to where they're going to outscore them regardless to where their running backs, they have a, they have a good stable of like two or three guys that they can rotate in and out. And I think, yeah, Florida ones. Yeah. Yeah. You know what? Eight and a half seems about right for their spread. So yeah, I'm fine with that. It could be higher even, uh, you know, as the game actually happens. If Florida was blown out by Alabama, I would be, I would be competing Kentucky in this game and I'll explain why here. So Dan Mullen's kind of proven that when he can get his guys up and believing, they they are up for any game and they will be put and they will be um, expected or they 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 expect themselves to play at the highest level. When they aren't looking ahead and they believe that they have a legitimate chance to make the playoffs, get to the SEC championship and everything, they will be up for any of their games. We saw this last year. Uh, it wasn't until the week before the SEC championship where they sl- tried to sleepwalk through LSU that they fell apart. And then obviously when they felt like they had nothing to play for and against Oklahoma in the Sugar Bowl, I believe it was. Was it the Sugar Bowl? Yeah. Um, they got absolutely manhandled there. But I don't think that's where this Florida team is at. They lost by two points at home to Alabama. They believe that they're one of the best teams in the country, and they're going to continue to fight like it through every single one of these games. Kentucky, like you said, they were the last two weeks they've been on the struggle bus. Uh, barely or having to come from behind to win against Chattanooga, and then just on the complete struggle bus against South Carolina last week. I don't know. That was a hard-to-watch game. Uh, so I think Florida comes in, and again, as much as I want to pick Kentucky as a just as a Georgia fan, everything like that, I think Florida wins this game. I think they win comfortably, and I think they definitely solidify themselves as a top ten team going forward. So let us move on to our next game, and that is going to be Mississippi State at number fifteen Texas A and M. This is the seven thirty uh, SEC Network game. So, Xavier, what are your thoughts on this game? <laughs> oh, my God. This is – honestly, this is going to be a tough game for me. And it, it feels so weird because Texas uh, – Mississippi State looks like the worst team at SEC West. And Texas A&M, they're on, they're on the down right now, but they're still a good team because they have a good defense, uh, good defense and, you know, good running backs. But then I, I think about how Mississippi State has played and what they do good at is where they keep you in games. Like, especially if you're not that great of an opponent, if you're not an Alabama or Ole Miss that can just, you know, outscore you, then Mississippi State will lose. But if you keep it close for Mississippi State, they will force you to, you know, actually, like, show how elite you are. And I think for Texas A&M, they need to – I mean, obviously they need this win because uh, that loss to Arkansas kind of stings. But if they lose to Mississippi State, then that's just going to be a total, total failure of a season for Jimbo Fisher. And it's going to be tough because, like, we we talked about in the preview that Will Rogers has been throwing for the past uh, – the recap last week, we talked about how Will Rogers has thrown 60 times in his last three games. It was, like, a minimum of 60, and then I think his highest was, like, 65 or 67. Mm-hmm. And it's really confusing to where, like, he's not throwing down the field that much, but he's doing a lot of checkdowns and five-yard gains, and it's working. 
Like, he has a lot of good receivers. Like, none of them have broken out yet. I wish Jaden Wiley would because he was that special guy, but then he had an MCL sprain early on in the uh, in the offseason. Mm-hmm. So uh, he has Austin Williams, Marshawn Polk. Um, and Makai Polk. Makai Polk. Why do you keep why. saying Marshawn Polk? I don't know why. This is the second episode in a row you've said that exact name. Makai Polk. Yeah. So, I, and then you have Jaclavius uh, Marks, and then you have uh, Dylan Johnson in the backfield, which are two decent backs in the SEC. So I think Texas A&M's defense is good enough to beat Mississippi State, but I just don't know if Jimbo Fisher is going to call a good game on offense to, you know, put it away comfortably. Because if they keep it close, I might take Mississippi State in the offset. I forgot to write down the spread for this game. I'm going to be real. Uh, So I don't don't know that off the top of my head. Let me see if I can pick that up real quick. I think I'm going to take Mississippi State in the upset. Oh, it feels, it feels weird to say, but I, I feel have a I have a gut feeling that Mississippi State is going to catch Texas A and M while they're down right now. Yeah, like you said, this game hinders on hinges on Jimbo Fisher calling a good game for the most part, and I think that defense stepping up to play against his air raid offense, I think, is going to help a lot. I don't think I can't see Mississippi State putting up more than twenty four points in this game. If I'm if I'm being real, I think A and M has too talented a defense for them to do that. The problem is then, do I expect Texas A&M to score enough points in order to do that? Well, they couldn't against last week against Arkansas, but Arkansas has a much better defense than Mississippi State has. I think that if Jimbo Fisher realizes that he doesn't have the team due to injuries that he wanted to have this year, he has to change up the game plan a little bit and just relies on Isaiah Spiller, A-Chain, and really yeah, really rely on those two guys along with Anaya Smith in short passing guard situations, along with Jay uh Jalen Weidermeyer basically the offense they had last year I think they have a much better shot to win this game and Jimbo is a championship coach he's not a dummy by any stretch of the imagination I think he makes some some adjustments in this game learns from his mistakes in 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 the Arkansas game I think they win pretty comfortably in this game against Mississippi State at home I will mention this though Mississippi State and all the games they're played I don't think any team has rushed over 100 yards on them so far that they've played. Yes, but who, what, like, what are the teams that, that they've played? And like, none of them have yeah, been you have heavy Memphis, rushing you have, teams. You had Memphis uh, with Brandon Thomas. Then you had uh, NC State with Ricky Pearson and Zonovan Knight. And then um, Louisiana Tech, I'm not going to rave about, um, oh, God, Marcus Williams. And then LSU, obviously, they have nobody. But I think that Mississippi State, like, defensive front, even last year against Georgia, they kind of, like, stopped our run for a little bit. Now, I'm not saying they have the same players from last year, but I think Mississippi State uh, has a few uh, playmakers down there on that def- uh, that defensive line that can stop the run at a really good, a good rate. So it might be a little bit tough for Texas A&M, but luckily they have uh, a versatile backfield of, like, Isaiah Spiller is your uh, your bell cow, and then Dev Nation is your speedster, but he's also getting a good amount of work. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, you you bring up a good point, so I'm not going to argue against it too much. But I just feel, I I feel like Texas A&M's too good, like too talented of a team for a game like this to really catch them off guard. So I'm going to take Texas A&M to win this game, and I think right about a touchdown's pretty fair. Okay. All right, so we will move on to our next game here, and that is going to be. Indiana at number four, Penn State. This is the 7.30 p.m. ABC game. Uh, Penn State favored by 10.5 in this game. I'll kind of go on this one. I expect this to be an absolute blowout by Penn State. 
Um, I think, again, I'm not, not usually one for narratives and everything, but I think the revenge factor for Indiana beating Penn State at home, or beating Penn State last year is very much a factor in this game because, quite frankly, Indiana really should not have been able to go into overtime against Penn State. At least that's how Penn State players felt because they felt like they got that goal line stop with Michael Penix there. And without that, they never would have gone into overtime. Now, granted, from there, they should have been able to uh, continue to beat Indiana from there. But regardless of all of that, I think Penn State realizes they have something to prove here. They're now ranked the number four team in the country. you got a lot of people doubting them now because Auburn doesn't look so good anymore. Wisconsin doesn't look so good anymore. So Penn State has a team like Indiana coming into their stadium. I think they put on a show, and I think they win this game extremely comfortably. So I'm taking Penn State here. I'm taking Penn State as well, but I don't think it's going to be comfortable. I think Michael Penn Jr. is finally, like, you know, kind of getting back into his groove, uh, you know, before his injury. I, I think he's looking a lot better than he did in that first game against Iowa where he threw three interceptions. Now, the Cincinnati game was not as uh, great, too, and that was against a good defense as well. But I, I need a good gauge. I think this is going to be a good gauge for Penn State to see how good they are. Now, I don't think this is going to be a solidifying moment of, like, yeah, they're the number one four team for beating Indiana. But it will give me enough to where I can say, hey, maybe this team does look a little bit better than I think. But I, I don't think it's going to be close. I think Indiana is going to keep this not within a touchdown or anything like that. But I think I'll say I don't think Penn State will win more than 10 points. Okay. And again, I'm, again I, 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 like I said, my, my, my feeling on this game is that Penn State is about to put on a clinic and show that they might be the best team in the Big Ten, especially if Ohio State continues to struggle. Uh, Ohio State looked good last week, don't get me wrong, uh, but they also played against literal error in Akron, so. Yeah, I mean, I think it's still, uh, I think everybody can comfortably say that I think that Penn State is the best team in the Big Ten. I don't think there's any question. Michigan State. I At guess, least from what case. we've seen so far. Yeah, definitely off of what we've seen so far. Michigan State's a close second, and then Michigan probably third. But regardless, again, I'm taking Penn State. Let's move on to the next game we have here, and that is going to be Boston College at I can't believe these words are coming out of my mouth. Number 25, Clemson. This is the 730 ACC Network game. So, Xavier, I'm going to let you take over on this one. What are your thoughts here? I have no idea. I have given up on the ACC. Really, I don't know who's going to win each week. Like, if if Boston College had Phil Jerkovich, I really feel bad for Boston College because I think this would have been a magical season for them if they had Phil Jerkovich. But they don't, sadly. They beat a Missouri team, which, I mean – it was a good game, but it's not nothing you can really brag about. I guess you could brag about some Missouri fans, but nobody else is really going to respect you for beating Missouri, if, even if you weren't that favored by that much. But Clemson, I don't – like, I've been saying this for a while, and I was like, man, maybe this will be the week that DJ and the offense puts together. Maybe this will be the week. Just needs more time. And honestly, I've run out of time. I, I've given up. To where I don't know – like, I feel right now, if, you, if you're scoring more – then 14 points on Clemson, you're probably going to win the game. And that's terrible to say coming from the years of past of like five, half a decade where if I would have said that you probably people would have been laughing at me, but now this is the reality that we live in. So I just, I, I can't get a good read on this because if Will Shipley is hurt, then it's not like you can run the ball where I do trust Kobe pace to be able to maybe run against Boston college. But also, I mean, DJ did have a good game against Boston College last year, but that was with a better O-line and, you know, a few better receivers. So, you know what? I, I'll take Boston College in the upset. I'm, t- I'm tired of rooting for Clemson. I'm tired of thinking that they're going to go in there and handle their business, even if it wouldn't be – like, I think it's going to be a close game, but I think Boston College gets the edge. 
You know, they've ever, I, I really appreciate you handing me these uh, free points in terms of our records of picks. Because mm-hmm. uh, I'm taking Clemson in this game. Um, Boston College is a good team. Do not get me wrong. Um, they were a much better team with Phil Jerkovich, like you said. I don't think Grossell is going to be somebody that is going to be able to put up a ton of points on this Clemson defense. Now, Clemson defense, don't get me wrong, injured to all living hell. But at the end of the day, Clemson just has talent at almost every position on that field. Now, granted, that O-line is a massive problem. They have to be able to improve on that O-line if they want to be able to go anywhere. But regardless, we have technically seen modest improvement from Clemson every single week on that offense. Modest. Modest improvement. I I can't even say that. I can't can't even give that to them. But... Boston College's defense is nowhere near what Clemson's is. So even a bad Clemson offense, I think it's still going to be able to put up some points on Boston College just enough to win this game. I could see this game having a final of 21-7. to 7. That's the kind of final I could see in this game. Basically what I'm saying is take the under. I, I think taking the under in this yeah. game is absolutely the play. Again, I I'm, not, I'm not, not a betting guy, but I do think Clemson still has enough talent to at least out-talent a lot of teams on their schedule. Even if they weren't able to do it against NC State last week, I think Boston College is a team that they can absolutely do it, especially with a ripe quarterback in Grossell, who is not nearly as talented as Jerkovich was. And I think they'll be able to stop the run just enough this game to pull off the win here. So I'm not going to doubt Clemson this much now. So I think Clemson pulls off the win here. Okay. So, let us move on to the next game. Our next game we have here is Auburn at LSU. This is the weird time, 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, ESPN. So, Xavier, what are your thoughts on this game? Uh, it's, honestly, if, with it being the time that it is, I think we're going to get like an LSU versus Texas A&M type of game where we just have multiple overtimes because both of these teams are terrible. <laughs> they won't give them credit for both being good. It's like, no, they're going to be terrible because neither one can score. No, no, no. They can score. It's just that neither one can play defense. And also, the, it's so weird. They're the opposite. LSU has a better passing game than Auburn, but uh, Auburn has a better run game than LSU. So I don't, I don't really know because I don't trust Bo Nix. Now, actually, you know what? Now that I think about it, Whoever is determined the starter of Auburn might determine my uh, uh, my pick for this week. So if under the impression that Bo Nix is still the starter, I will take LSU in this game. All righty, you're gonna take LSU in this game. I, I think I, I should have like the right to uh, flip. We can tweet it out and say, "Hey, I'm picking Auburn if TJ Finley starts." You know, I'll allow it because I I do think that that will be somewhat a somewhat of a determiner here, but also. Again, this is more of a gut feeling. Auburn, I do think, is the worst team out of these two. Like, If I'm picking on pure talent alone, I think LSU is the better team here, even though they can't run the ball at all. Yeah. But I do trust Max Johnson much more as a quarterback to be able. Like They proved last week to me that even when they're not able to run the ball, Max Johnson is able to throw the ball just enough. They have enough talent at receivers to be mm-hmm. able to pull off a win when they need to. Now, I don't expect them to get more than 35 points. So if Auburn puts up more than 35 points on them for some reason... Oh boy, LSU's in trouble. Yeah. Um, 
But even still, whether or not Auburn puts up 35 points or not is probably predicated on whether or not Bo Nix is starting for Auburn or not, or if that entire run game just gets itself together. Tank Bixby had a terrible game last week, and I don't even know if it was his fault or the O-line's fault, uh, but regardless of that, they have to get better on in that run game if they want to have a chance at defeating LSU this weekend. But all analysis out the window and everything, I, t- I touched on it earlier. Auburn has some weird voodoo magic, dude. And this isn't Jordan Hare. So there is that, but Auburn coming off of a struggle win against Georgia State, LSU coming off a win against Mississippi State, everybody now doubting Auburn, wondering why they're even in the top 25. I just realized I, they're supposed to be a number Yeah, they're pretty tough. I was say, are you disrespecting Auburn as, this, as much as I was? No, 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 no. That was a mistake. There's a number 20 number twenty to Auburn. Everybody's wondering why they're even still in the top 25, including myself. This is the kind of game where they just win because Auburn. And I have a feeling that that's just the way it's going to go, so I'm going to take Auburn. Mm. Uh, no, no other reason except for Auburn voodoo. See, I would save Auburn voodoo if Bo Nix wasn't the quarterback. Uh, fair enough, I guess. All right, let's move on to our next game, and that is going to our last game in our additional games of interest. Then we'll move on to our over-under 65 games. Uh, we got Arizona State at number 20, UCLA. Uh, this is a 10-30 FS1 game. Xavier, you're a big uh, Arizona State fan. What, or, you, or you liked Arizona State coming into the season quite a bit. What are your thoughts on this game now? Yeah, I mean, Arizona State had a really good game against Colorado, a team that kind of shut down uh, Texas A&M for a little while. And, I mean... It, they, I mean, the first two wins were against very easy opponents. Then they lost to BYU, a really good team, a top 15 team, if I'm not mistaken. Actually, they might be top 20. I don't know. They might be top 15. You're going to have to fact check me on that one. But they're coming off a good win against Colorado. Um, uh, Jaden Daniels had like 236 yards passing in the air, and I think he was their leading rusher, if I'm not mistaken. He was, and he had two touchdowns. UCLA has a similar quarterback in DTR where maybe his arm is not as impressive as uh, Jaden Daniels, but his legs are just as impressive as well, too, maybe even better. And then you have a great backfield of um, Zach Charbonnet and Britton Brown and great wide receivers with Kyle Phillips and a great tight end uh, with Greg Dolchich. But it's the Pac-12, so I just never know who's going to win and who's going to lose. Like the only consistent Pac-12 team I can say so far is Oregon. And I don't even know if they're going to like I, – I want. I have high expectations for them, for them being number three. And the, Don't let your friend hear out. you that. Yeah, I know. I have high expectations where they should win out and make it to the playoffs by being undefeated. Now, I don't think they're the third to best team because any team – actually, they could be, but I feel like a lot of other teams could beat them. But that's neither here nor there. That's just, you know, my subjective view of it. But based on their schedule so far and the teams they beat, and they definitely deserve the ranking. But back to Arizona State and UCLA – going to be a close game i think i don't think this is going to be a, a slouch for either team and the fact that it's you know pack 12 after dark we will probably all be asleep and i'll wake up in the morning and find out the winner like everybody else and i'm just gonna have to uh live with the results because it's gonna be a tough one to choose as opposed um, to other games where xavier will not live with the results i won't i'll just be like this you, you, like basically clemson losing to nc state where i'm just like that you can't be serious but i'm gonna Oh, man, you know what? I'm just going to be a, uh, not a homer, but like a, since I've been a fan of Arizona State, I like the upside of what they have. Like their receivers don't look good this year. I will not lie. But Rashad White looks like a great, great back for the NFL and for in college as well, too. And Jaden Daniels, I think, is still electric. 
So I'll take Arizona State just because I like Arizona State more than I like UCLA, even though they have all this great talent. I just think I don't like Chip Kelly as a coach. Um, I'm going to take UCLA in this mm-hmm. game. Uh, I think the home field advantage will help them out here, but if, especially if the fans actually decide to show up. Um, <laughs> but there's more to home field advantage than that. Again, just playing in your own stadiums, you just have better facilities in your vi- visiting team, all that good jazz. You don't have to travel. Uh, but even so, regardless of all that, you kind of touched on it a couple times here where UCLA, I think what's going to change this game compared to Arizona State is the fact that UCLA just has better pass catching options. Arizona State has not had a consistent pass catcher, really outside of Rashad White, their running back. So really, again, UCLA keys in on Rashad White as a receiving back. We saw what they did to Calvin Turner. We saw what they've done to a couple other backs. Um, I believe they shut down Ronnie Rivers in their Fresno State game, even though they lost that one. Um, I think UCLA, they can key in on Jim Daniels and Rashad White or any running back they really put out there and really just force Jaden Daniels to pass in this game and really rely on his receivers, I think UCLA wins 9 out of 10 times. So I'm going to take UCLA to win this game. I don't know if they win comfortably or if they win by three points. Don't know. We'll see. All right. Good luck with your Pac-12 after dark. (laughs) You'll be asleep. Anyway, those are our additional games of interest. Those are just the games we kind of want to talk about here. We're now going to move on to our over-under games. This is a bit more fantasy talk really than anything else. We're going to really talk about specific players in these games. And also, we'll make picks and everything. But really, we're going to be focusing on the players you're going to want to start out of these games. These games are the ones you go to when you're sitting there wondering, like, who do I start? Who would I bench? Look at these games. These are going to be the games where tons of points are going to be scored. A lot of scoring opportunities in these games for the players that are going to be in them. So these are really, think of these games as your tiebreaker games, and these are the players to be looking out for in these games. So first, we are going to start with the only Thursday night game, and that is going to be Virginia at Miami. The over-under on this game is 65.5. This is the Thursday, 7.30 p.m. ESPN game. So Xavier, what are your thoughts here? Yeah, I'll, I'll speak on the Miami side a little bit more. Um, De'Aaron King did not play this last game um, against, who was it? Um, Oh, God, I'm forgetting the team's name. It was a terrible team. Doesn't matter. It was They're like not relevant. Three. Yeah. They're not relevant. They beat up on a team. It was like 60-something to zero at, in the third quarter, and I was like, please stop. So with Miami, it depends on who they start at quarterback. It could be, honestly, anybody. Uh, I trust both backup quarterbacks. Probably Van Dyke probably looks uh, – it seems like Manny Diaz has more uh, faith in Van Dyke uh, going out there. So he has a little bit more experience. And then – I'll take, um, you know, Charleston Rambo, a great receiver. Um, if you want to start Cameron Harris, it's hard to get a gauge on their backfields because of their health and stuff like that. But he had Cameron, a hell of a game last week. He did. He absolutely did. But it was against, God, I can't even remember the school's name. But he had a great game, and you're going against a Virginia team where points are just going to be scored on. And I'll let you touch on who's going to be the one scoring the points. But you have a lot of receivers to choose from, from Mike Harley, Charleston Rambo, uh, if you want to go deep, deeper of D. Wiggins and a few other guys. But, yeah, I mean, that's mainly it from the Miami side. I guess choose whoever's going to start at quarterback. If it's King, Van Dyke, or Garcia, start them because I think they're going to do fine. You know, it's not going to be like a perfect coming out party of a game, but I think they'll still be able to put up touchdowns and points. So, Yo, we got two of some of the worst, uh, two of the worst defenses in the Power Five going against each other in this game. So basically, start everybody you can in this game. As far as I'm, as far as I'm concerned, you saw North Carolina put up like I think it was like what 59 
yep. on Virginia. You saw Wake Forest put up like 37 on them. They probably could have put up more. They knew the game was in hand. Um, so, anyway, look, looking at the Virginia side of this and everything, it starts with the quarterback, uh, Brennan, uh, Brennan Armstrong. It kind of meant, I, basically the same thing I talked about last week. This entire offense flows through Brennan Armstrong. He's got legs on the ground. And pretty much, there's no true running back. So whenever they get down to the goal line, it's either going to be Brennan running it in with his legs or he's going to be passing it to somebody on the goal line. Either way, Brennan Armstrong's getting the touchdowns. And that's what makes him so valuable for fantasy. In addition to that, he's got a couple of good weapons on the outside. you got Billy Kemp IV and uh, Dontavian, uh, Dontavian Wicks has really, really uh, showed out as one of his better pass-catching options for him this year. And yeah, those are basically your kind of three main guys for Virginia right there. Brennan Armstrong, Dontavian Wicks, and Billy Kemp IV if you're in a bit of a deeper league. So those are the guys I would say get heavy consideration in this game. So we'll go ahead and make picks real quick. So Xavier, uh, Miami is favored by about four or five points in this game, depending on where you look. Where are you thinking here? um, This is close. You want me to make the pick Uh-oh. first? Yeah. You want me to make the pick first? Sure. I'm going Miami. Going Miami. I just like the weapon. I or I, I like the weapons on both sides. I expect this to be a high-scoring, very close game. I do like Miami just a little bit more in terms of being able to both rush and pass the ball in this game. I think in terms of the shootout, I'm taking Virginia. Okay. See, I again, been that's the thing, though. Virginia hasn't really done well with shootouts. The past two yeah, times. those are against a little bit better offenses than Miami, so I yeah. trust Virginia to put up more points than Miami. Fair enough, fair enough. All right, let's move on to the next game. I'm going to let you kind of handle this one because this is yes. definitely one of your games that you've been excited for this week. So Texas oh my God. at TCU, over under 65 and a half. This is a 12 p.m. ABC game. So Xavier, what do we got to be excited about in this game? everything start everybody it does not matter um maybe like only one receiver for uh tcu though that's only quinn johnson Mm. um but speaking of on texas casey thompson has taken over the starting job and he looked great against texas tech i think tcu was a little bit better than texas tech but it's not by that much and i think it's going to be a a high scoring game in terms of casey thompson xavier worthy had a great day jordan Winton looks good as well too then you have the two great backs of Bijan robinson and roshan johnson to where roshan always gets those like really close goal line touchdowns and Bijan is doing everything basically everything from rushing to uh, catching to hey maybe one day sarkisian asked him to throw a pass it's going to be it's just what can't Bijan robinson do but you, uh, as I named all the main offensive uh, players in that game, I'm trying to think if I forget anything. I have Whittington worthy. Oh, Joshua Moore. He might get a little bit more involvement in this game. So you just never know because Casey Thompson did have five touchdowns, even though three of them were too worthy. Um, I think maybe the ball will be spread a little bit more unless Xavier Worthy just completely just dominates as a number one receiver. Now, speak on the TCU side, I think as much as I've given praise to B. John Robinson, I think there is a close guy next to him in terms of the talent, and that's Zach Evans uh, for TCU running back. They have similar skill sets to where Zach Evans is a great uh, runner between the tackles, but uh, against um, SMU, he showed a great uh, uh, pass-catching game. I-, I knew he could catch out the backfield, but not at this type of rate to where I think he had about maybe three to five receptions, and they were for 72 yards and had a touchdown in the air and on the ground. 
So it was just a great day for him overall. Max Duggan is a guy that also is a great rusher uh, at QB and also, you know, can put up a lot of points in the air with, through the air as well, too. And I mentioned uh, his uh, rod receiver, Quinn Johnson. A lot of people have a lot of hope for him. Mm-hmm. Don't think he's uh, really exploded yet so far this season, but Texas is definitely the team you could do it against. Yeah, Quentin Johnson's got a lot of unrealized fantasy production. Uh, I believe I saw it was um, Chris Moxley over at uh, C2C. He put out a tweet earlier today that was talking about how just for all the targets that Quentin's been getting, as soon as they click with him and Duggan, he's going to go off. Because I think Mm. he's been getting double-digit targets every game. It's just for some reason he and Duggan have been off in their uh, timing. So as as, as soon as they get that figured out, he'll probably probably go off – sooner rather than later and it easily could be in in this week this weekend's game against texas oh yeah you cover basically almost everybody so i think i'm just gonna move on to my pick here uh texas had a real problem with tcu uh past decade uh Mm -hmm. i can't remember the exact record off the top of my head but let's just say over the past 10 years i believe tcu has been looking at a winning record against texas uh texas just has a strong or just has a really weird problem Going against TCU, they're at TCU this year. It ain't happening this year. Texas wins. Yeah, no. yeah I'm with you there too. All right, so we'll move on to our next game, and that is going to be Duke at North Carolina. The over/under on this game is seventy-three and a half. It's the twelve p.m. ESPN two game, and I have I have a feeling that this is more in line with what people think North Carolina is going to do than Duke will. But also, there's plenty of guys on Duke that are that are perfectly capable of starting in this game. So, Xavier, who do you want to take, Duke or North Carolina? I'll take North Carolina. Um, I think Sam Howell is going to be looking for a bounce-back week, especially against Georgia Tech. And um, I think he understands, like uh, we talked about in our recap, where I, I described him having a fumbling problem, and then you described it as maybe it was just a bad game. Like, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so if he makes the adjustments and, you know, can still keep up that rushing ability and also pass throughout the air, because I think he still had over 200 yards and still some two touchdowns and then kind of lower the turnovers uh, with the interceptions against a not that great of a Duke. I mean, they, uh, they haven't had a really impressive win. They've only beaten like Kansas and um, I believe like Charlotte or something like that. If I'm not mistaken. Or it was it Middle Tennessee. No, they lost to Charlotte. Um... They lost to Charlotte. That's that's right. But um, they, I guess their only impressive win so far is just – I mean, they've, they've gone undefeated since then, and they beat Kansas, another Power 5 team. But Kansas is not that great. But I think Josh Downs – Oh, they beat Northwestern. Yeah, that was an impressive win. So, yeah. But uh, speaking on the um, the North Carolina side, Sam Howell is going to be great. I think Ty Chandler um, is a good option as well too. Uh, Josh Downs and uh, – you're in a deeper league. Is I mean the spread is 73 and a half. So I guess Emory Simmons. Um, God, I'm forgetting another wide receiver's name. Uh it's not coming up. It's not coming up. Josh Jones, Joffrey Brown. Joffrey Brown. Okay. Um, so yeah, I think those three are good starts for the week. I, I would definitely agree with you. I'll talk on the Duke side of things. Mateo Durant really again has proven himself just to be an every week starter. Duke's gonna be running the ball down people's throats. With him now, the real other question becomes then how involved does the Gunnar Holmberg get? And as we've seen from the past couple of weeks, he gets involved pretty well, especially if they're coming in from behind. So looks like that there will be play. It again, 
North Carolina is expected to win this game pretty handily. If I'm looking at the spread, yep, 19 points is the spread. North Carolina is expected to win this game pretty handily. So we're probably looking at Gunnar Holmberg getting involved late in this game. And probably, I'd say, yeah, Gunnar Holmberg, Mateo Durant. And then I'm also going to throw Bobo out there. Jake Bobo uh, has been a consistent wide receiver for Duke past couple of games. So I'm going to say if you really want to throw him out there, he'll probably get you a good, easy 10, 15 points if you just need somebody that you don't have to worry about. Uh, in terms of who's going to win this game, I think we're both on the North Carolina train. Yeah. Okay. I swear to God, North Carolina, you lose this one, I'm going to really hate the fact that I picked you to win the Coastal this year. Because <laughs> you're, you're already a real disappointment so far. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Granted, it looks like both Xavier and I are going to be wrong, because Xavier picked Miami, and they're really not looking good. Let's move on to the next game, and that is going to be Tennessee at Missouri. Over-under on this game is going to be... um, This is going to be... Sorry, I'm trying to write down our timestamp real quick, because people want that, and I listen to the people. Uh, Mm -hmm. We got Tennessee at Missouri. Over-under on this game is 65 and a half. You got, this is the noon SEC Network game. Uh, so Xavier, who are you starting in this game? Who are you looking at? Uh, I'll, I'll speak on the Missouri side. Uh, Tyler Beatty is an every week starter at this point. Um, mm-hmm. I guess until, you know, maybe until he plays against Alabama, but that's the only guy I probably wouldn't start. Him. Even then, I'll still probably put him in there because they're going to be behind a lot. Um, and then Connor Basilek, it's not a bad option at quarterback as well, too. Um, I think if you're in a deeper league, uh, Connor can be a great uh, asset to have. Um, I'm trying to think of any pass catchers that has really stood out to me for the Missouri team because honestly, they've just been running the ball so much and passing the Tyler Beatty out of the backfield. Um, and they had a lot of guys transfer out, but um, yeah, nobody's really standing out. Nobody has over 200 yards so far this season. So I guess it'll just be Beatty and Basilek. Uh, I'll talk on the Tennessee side of things here. Um, Hennon Hooker starts in this game. Absolutely worth it because he's got that dual threat rushing ability. I think will be very helpful in this game. He's, he's got about 136 yards already in the touchdown on the ground, and he's only been starting for about a game and a half so far. So Hen and Hooker, absolutely worth it here. Tyon Evans and Jabari Small, I think, are both worth it in this game. Um, the question just is if whether or not they find touchdowns or not. Uh, in terms of wide receivers, um, Jeremiah Payton and Valus Jones are your two better your two better bets for it. I wouldn't recommend really starting either one of them. I think really the best bet here is um, Hennon Hooker and then Tyon Evans, I think, is probably your better bet at running back, which Jabari Small is still kind of recovering. So in terms of who wins this game, Tennessee is the best uh, first quarter team in America, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. Uh, The problem is that the game of football is four quarters. And in Missouri, I've seen play complete four-quarter games. And so I'm going to take Missouri in this. Oh, thank this God. I thought you were going to believe in the hypo offense again. Oh, God, no. I believe in the hypo offense in the first 15 minutes of the game. I, after that. Did you write me down for Tennessee? Don't do that. Oh, shoot. Oh, shoot. I total, I don't know why I did that. Do not do that. I am picking Mizzou. All righty. Let us move on to the next game, and that is Ooh. going to be Louisville at number 24, Wake Forest is over under is 65 and a half. This is a 1230 game and it is on ESPN three, which in reality is ESPN plus. So sorry for y'all that don't have ESPN plus, but this game is definitely something we're talking about. So Xavier, you want to get started 
on Wake Forest or Louisville? I don't know which one to choose. I'll, I'll stick with Louisville. Um, okay. Yeah, Malik, uh, Malik Cunningham. This is an every week starter, it looks like, so far. Uh, his, he's a great rusher. He's honestly probably a, the quarterback and running back for that team to where, I mean, I love Jalen Mitchell for what he's done after that old Miss game. But, um, yeah, it's still Malik Cunningham. And then Jalen Mitchell's a great starter as well, too, to put in this game. Um, in terms of pass catching options, uh, that may be a little bit uh, iffy on the Louisville side. I think uh, there may be some guys involved, but not enough to where I'm just like uh, one's jumping out at me just to start. Maybe uh, the tight end forward, I would uh, give a shout for um, to start. Absolutely. Sure. But uh, that's mainly it. All right. I was talking on the Wake Forest side of things. And again, it starts with the quarterback, Sam Howell. Uh, got some dual threat ability with him. He's got a plethora of pass catching options. This one makes it a little bit hard with Wake Forest because you don't entirely know who's going to get the love every single week in the passing game. But really, it seems like A.T. Perry has become a consistent option for him. Ja'Cory Roberson, if you really still want to believe in him, I don't think this is the worst game for you to just kind of throw him out there as a flyer. Um, why am I thinking? Uh, Taylor Morin, another pass-catching option for them. And then uh, Christian Buell-Smith has really kind of taken over as the major running back for, for this team. And I think that, again, if you're struggling at running back, you could do a lot worse than Christian Beal Smith and the volume that he gets on this offense. In terms of who's going to win this game, I'm going to stick with the team who I think has a better defense. I'll be honest, I'm a little iffy for the most part uh, starting any of the Louisville guys because I think Wake Forest is a much better defense that we were kind of anticipating coming into this year. So I'm going to take Wake Forest to win this game, and I expect them to win pretty comfortably. Mm. I'm going to take Louisville. All right. What? 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 Anything except despite me or just... No, nah, that's despite you. I, I just think uh, I really like what I'm seeing from Malik Cunningham this year, especially definitely um, to the past of like last, uh, especially uh, from the uh, last year. He didn't have the greatest of year that I was expecting. This is the kind of year that I was uh, kind of hoping for him from last year. Mm-hmm. So now I think he's coming to his own. He's figuring out that, hey, maybe I should use my legs a little bit more than I have and stop trying to rely. Like well, he's, you know, be, he's been forced to. Yeah, I know he's been forced to, but yeah. Just, I'm just happy that he's like the, uh, he's, I mean, he's only four carries by, or not four. Yeah, he's only four carries behind Jalen Mitchell, which I really like. So mm-hmm. I think that's going to be tough for Wake Forest to stop and just have that to uh, to counteract. I don't think they faced a quarterback like him just yet. So, and the ACC is a weird place right now. It is really so a weird place count. right now. Anyway, let's move on to our next game again. I'll, I think it's pretty obvious who will pick in this game to win. But even so, I think there's I think there's some value on both sides. Uh, mm-hmm. We're going to be looking at Southern Florida or South Florida at SMU over under of 65 and a half. This is a 4 p.m. ESPNU game. So Xavier, what are your thoughts on this game? Uh, yeah, I think SMU is going to put up 68 points. <laughs> yeah, pretty um, much how I'm feeling. I don't think it will be anywhere remotely close to where UCF can get a field goal or a touchdown, possibly, but it's all going to be at the helm of Tanner Mordecai and that plethora of just pass-catching options. And then finally, Ulysses Bentley, after that first game, struggle of like not getting the carries that I was expecting, finally is getting a lot more carries and being a lot more explosive. So I love what I'm seeing to where I was kind of concerned about Trey Sigurds might uh, – getting in the uh, crowd in that backfield up. But well, Trey Sigurds is still crowding that backfield up, and I'm still kind of mad that they're giving him as many carries because he's really not just – he's just not doing much with them. I don't think he's had a touchdown this year as far as I've been able to concern, but he's had mm-hmm. as many carries as Ulysses Bentley's had. 
I, I remember the first game, yeah, it was a little bit of a mix. But after that, it's been like Ulysses was getting like 10 to 15. I would like more, but it's just the fact that SMU is really good in the passing game and they have Roberson. They're so good, dude. Um, it Danny is so Gray, fun to watch. Rashi Rice. And I think it's sad because, like, I know uh, we talked about this going into the season for all those people that picked up Roberson really early in their drafts. He hasn't kind of hit, and this is what I kind of was concerned about. But I didn't expect that Danny Gray and Rashi Rice were going to emerge as this, especially Danny Gray, even though I did have him a little bit better than Rashi. But he seems to have taken over that Roberson role. Oh, very much so. And, like, again, I'm taking SMU to win in this game. Oh, uh, I don't know if they, I don't know if they win, if they cover. It's a minus 20, so I could easily see them covering that. Uh, that's three touchdowns. I could easily see them winning by that at the very least. Uh, I am going to throw one name out here for uh, South Florida, especially if you're in a group of five league or not. Um, Jaron Mangum, he's a transfer, I believe, from Colorado, has really kind of taken over this backfield for the South Florida team, and they seem to be relying on him quite a bit. So I'm going to say Jaron Mangum for uh, South Florida. Uh, I think SMU will probably let up a little bit late, and they'll be able to get some garbage time yards out of him at the very least. So that is it for that game. Let us move on to our final game for fantasy reasons. Uh, games over uh, 65 over unders. And that is going to be Marshall at Middle Tennessee State University. The over under on this game is 65 and a half. This is a 7 p.m. game, but it is not on any channels. So Xavier, you want to take MTSU or you want to take Marshall? Uh, I'll take Marshall. Um... Grant Wells had a great freshman year, and he's continuing his uh, – his, his, not to say dominance, but he's continuing the trend of him, you know, being able to win a lot of these games, and he has a great backfield behind him with Rashi Ali. So I think those are two names you can definitely start. Um, the receiving options – oh, why am I – I feel like I'm forgetting a name. Um, DuBose? No. No. Maybe I think Dubose is well, on that team. No, Xavier Gaines definitely is somebody you got to talk about. Oh yeah, absolutely. I keep on. I don't know why I always think Xavier Games like I always see his name and I was just like I feel like you've been at Marshall forever, so I feel like he's always graduated. But yeah, absolutely, Xavier Games a great um, tight end. So Corey Gamage. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. So Corey Gamage. Gamage. Yeah, Gamage is another great tight end. Um, right, but yeah, wide receiver, absolutely wide. Receiver. And that tight end. Well, yeah, I'm thinking. Yeah, because Xavier Games catches some passes too. I keep on thinking he has a tight, uh, wide receiver or tight end, yeah. whatever. There's there's some good repertoire between Grant Wells and Gamage, so Gamage is definitely a play. Uh, in terms of on the MTSU side, Chase Cunningham, really the name here to know, and that's mostly to do with the fact that he hasn't had a good season so far because he's been playing out of conference games, but. We've seen with guys like Asher O'Hara in the past and everything, once they get into that conference play of CUSA play, oh boy, dual threat, ability, dual threat guys in these kind of conferences can thrive. So I think Chase Cunningham is absolutely a play for MTSU for this upcoming week. And then um, Jaron Pierce and Yusef Terry, I believe, are two wide receivers on this team I think you could really get some work out of. And I can't really think of any running backs off the top of my head. Uh, but... Uh, yeah, those three guys, really. Uh, Cunningham, you got Yusuf, and you got... Um, no, Al- Yusuf Ali, I believe. Not Yusuf Terry. I think Yusuf Terry is a different different team. Uh, and then you got Jaron Pierce. So I think those are three guys you can absolutely start from MTSU in this game. So, with that, those are our over-under 65 points. Those are games, again, 
that you need to be looking at for guys who are likely to be just put into good scoring situations in those games. Just to review real quick, that is Virginia at Miami, Texas at TCU, Duke at North Carolina, Tennessee at Missouri, Louisville at Wake Forest, South Florida at SMU, and then Marshall at MTSU. So before we go, I wanted to add one more tiny little segment onto the end of the show in order to, because we go through a lot of games every single week. And, oh, by the way, Xavier, I, I forgot to mention, Marshall or uh, MTSU, who are you taking? Oh, Marshall. Same, Marshall. Bet on Marshall. Uh, actually, don't. I just realized I, we're not a betting show. Don't don't follow that advice. Um, anyway, um, so I wanted to do a little segment where, again, we cover a lot of games, but there's a lot of games that Xavier and I lo- want to talk about that we don't really get to talk about. So I want to include like one off-the-radar game that Xavier and I each are going to pick one game that we're going to kind of hype up and just try to convince everybody to watch that game somehow this weekend. So, Xavier, you want me to go first or you want to go first? I'll go first. Sounds good. Uh, yeah, I chose Nevada at Boise State. Um, Boise State is favored by six and a half. Um, I think if Carson's strong and that offense gets to clicking. Now, it is sad that Elijah Cook, so we just got the news today mm-hmm. that he is out. I don't know if it's for the year. I think it was an it's ACL. for the year. Yeah, out for the year, so it's, it's sad. A, it's a, God, I forget. The, it's not an ACL tear, but he, uh, he tore something else. I forget. Oh, it was like um, fragments in his. Um, uh, LeFranc or something? Like, I, I'm yeah, blanking, I'm like sorry. Yo, we don't, we're, we're not doctors. We just read reports, but he is out for the year. Um, it is sad, um, but well, we, that's football, next man up. But you still have Romeo, um, Romeo Dubs, and then you have, um, God, Horton. Uh, God, why, why am I thinking? Is it Horton? Yeah, Tory Horton. Tory Horton, a uh, great receiver as well, too. And then you have Cole Turner. Uh, you know, he's not going to spell well for Cole, Cole Turner. I mean, he's going to get more targets and, you know, maybe live up to the tight end one uh, designation that everybody had him in the preseason. Mm-hmm. And if Carson Strong, like I said, can put it together because he had a terrible showing at uh, Kansas State a few weeks ago. Mm-hmm. Or was that? Yeah. That was, it was Kansas uh, State. Yeah, Kansas State. So hopefully he can bounce back from that. And Boise looks great, too, with Buckmeyer and Khalil Shakir and George Rolani. Mm-hmm. So I think this game is going to be a lot close, uh, closer than people think. And, uh, you know, Boise did uh, they did shut out Utah State. Uh, no, they got a field goal. They did, did get a field goal, but I don't think uh, they're going to be able to stop the net by the offense where Utah was only just like, yeah, if you could just stop Logan Bonner, then you kind of win the game. I think the car strong's good enough to air the ball out and make some good throws. Yeah, no, I'm excited about that game. And then the game I'm going to hype up here is Western Kentucky at Michigan. Y'all, if you have not taken the time to watch a Western Kentucky game, that offense is a thing of beauty. The route, the it, You want to see just an entire offensive unit just completely in sync every single play. Guys running their routes almost as crisp as you can. And you got a distributor in Bailey Zapp who just knows exactly where he's going to throw the ball every single time. It is a thing of beauty to watch. Watch a Western Kentucky game at least once this year if you haven't already. And you got a perfect opportunity with them playing at Michigan State. Michigan State undefeated so far this season. One of the hottest teams in college football. I think there's a legitimate chance, even though Michigan State's there by eight, I think there's a legitimate chance that Western Kentucky can push uh, Michigan State in this game. And I think it's absolutely worth a watch. Um, And if you haven't seen Kenneth Walker, this is another great game to probably pick him up on because... Uh, I think it was um, Stephen Carr for Indiana. Indiana. 
ran That's all over here. ran all over Western Kentucky last week. Kenneth Walker's probably going to be a great play for you this weekend as they go up against that Western Kentucky defense. So you're going to see plenty of points in this game. I think it'll be a very fun one for people to watch. I'm surprised this game was... Om- Actually, no. I remember now. This game was almost 65 or over. It was, I think, like a 62 game. Like The over-under was almost there. But plenty of points expect to be scored in that one. That one's a fun one to watch if you got nothing else to watch. So... Yeah, that kind of covers our show for today. Xavier, is there anything you wanted to uh, say before we head out? Uh, nope. Uh, like always, don't forget to like and subscribe. Hit the notification bell on YouTube. Like we said earlier, follow us on all podcasting platforms, whether it's Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and other ones that I probably can't name because just is what it is. I just know the main ones. Um, but yeah, I'm at CFF underscore Xavier and Jared's at CFF underscore Jared. On Twitter, don't forget to add us uh, for any of your questions. We love hearing from y'all. I want to shout out to at CFF Pumas. He always asks us uh, good questions. I know me and Jared had a little. Uh, oh, is of, that what we're doing? Because I'll I'll, no, I'll shout out a couple guys if we if uh, if we got time. Oh yeah, I want to shout out at CFF Pumas. Uh, ask great questions for our advice. We had a little. Me and Jared had some friendly competition this weekend about who would have the better day between Shakir and um. Yours was who? Butte. Oh, yeah, Butte. Yeah, I lost by, like, a point. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was really close. <laughs> it was really close, but we still gave good advice to her. I don't think it would have mattered that much, but we love questions like that. So, yeah, that's all I can say. Jared, you want to shout out some people as well, too? Uh, yeah, I'll shout out some people. I, I, um, uh, Sal Kuso, uh, sorry, I, I'm, y'all, it's late. I'm tired. So, Sal, I apologize if I butchered butcher your name that first time. Sal Kusu Mano, uh, dude is one of the friendliest guys. He always asks me questions. I appreciate him. Uh, Raiders, uh, Yard Dog Football, Mountaineers Football. There's a there's a whole like league of guys that have all claimed me as their offensive coordinators for their fantasy teams this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they always ask me questions. So shout out to all of you guys. Matt Desmond, one of the nicest guys you could ever meet on on Twitter. Uh, he asks questions all the time. I love him to death. Uh, and there's so many more. Um, Justin Nottingham, I'll give him a shout out for the fact that he had a very key interest in Xavier and I's home league game this past weekend, which Xavier thought we were going to get through this without me mentioning the fact that I won. <laughs> so I just blew up my mic there. That's all good. Um, so I won. Suck it. Um, and then in addition to that, so many of you guys play in my leagues and everything. The group of five league, power five league, the red shirt league. I love all you guys. You guys are all awesome. So so many shout outs to everybody. Love you all to death. So, uh, oh, and one more thing. Uh, Brett, always down in the comment section of our YouTube videos. Dude doesn't say much. Literally, he just puts a little wave emoji just to let it, just to let us know that it's him watching our videos. And I love that to death. Thank you so much, Brett. Y'all, if y'all want more shout-outs to, to listeners, uh, keep, keep messaging us. Uh, we'll we'll, yeah, we'll throw absolutely. you in here at the end. So, y'all, thank you so much for listening. Uh, we've had a wonderful time. Very exciting weekend of college football ahead of us. And we will see you guys on the other side. Oh yeah. Tony, we're never shouting you out, sorry.